DJ, PK, and David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm confused. Why are you confused, PK? What's wrong with our guy? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know where he's going. We'll have to find out. He's confused. He's been in the business for like 62 years. He's everybody's buddy. He does yeah. TV and radio. He's like 17-time Utah Sportscaster of the Year Award winner. How can If he's confused... All of us are confused. Yeah, I'll tell you. I, I got a, We got a post on our DJ and PK Facebook page this week that DJ is so professional, and I'm a narcissist. I'm the one who posted well, right. it, too. Uh, I'm like, a narcissist. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, lack, I'm misunderstanding what's news about this. And he's so professional. Like, you guys have been on the air for how long? 37 years. Yeah. So, so the coolest thing is that we, you just got like a brand new listener because clearly it didn't just come to him that that's the case. I thought, man, I'm so lovable. <laughs> Little did I know. All right, so here's what I'm confused about. In an era, and you have been preaching this for at least five years, shoot more threes, shoot more threes. It's the best way to do it. Shoot more threes. And I'm watching jazz games, and it seems really clear to me that teams are – committed to staying with three-pointers and committed to making sure Rudy doesn't break that dunk record again. And what that is leaving open, I mean, it's I sit up high enough, it's really obvious. If, if we sat down the first four rows like we used to, it wouldn't be as obvious. But the middle of the floor, there are possessions where it is freakishly wide open. And Donovan Mitchell, especially just in this most recent game, Donovan Mitchell went in the middle of paint, lost his guy, rose up all by himself and made the shot. He got into a groove, I think it was the second quarter. Seemed like he must have scored on mid-range jumpers on like three times in four possessions. And you can't complain when you're scoring almost every time down the, the, the court. And I look at the box at the end of the game, and they've shot 25 threes. And both teams had. And, but I'm reading some stuff, some national writers are writing about trends this year, and there are more teams than ever shooting 43-pointers in the game, and that's the way to go. So, what do you make of this? Where's it going to go in the long run? I mean, any one game, anything can happen. Uh, I asked Donovan about it afterwards, and he said, hey, I, I shoot 30 of them in warm-ups, and I shoot more than that at the shoot-arounds because the coaches are looking at the film, and they're saying it's going to be there, and I need to be ready to take advantage of it. So I'm working on this. W- what do you think of this going against the grain, and is it going to last? And is it going to work, and are they going to win at the rate Jazz fans want to win? So my answer to the open mid-range shot is to shoot the three. Okay. Well, you're consistent now. <laughs> you're not. You're not going to shoot a hundred percent. You're not going to shoot a hundred percent of your shots as threes. So you're going to have to shoot. I mean, ideally, it's only twenty percent, but maybe it's twenty-five percent. It shouldn't be thirty-five percent of your shots as mid-range shots. And so you're going for. And then the next part of that, this is what Toronto did really well last year, is your good shooters should shoot your mid-range shots. You can actually, if you shoot your mid-range well, you can get better that way. So Donovan shooting them to some extent is okay. His shot chart right now, in my personal opinion, is out of whack. He's great right now. He's probably top five player in the league. He's made a huge jump year two to year three. Really hard to complain about anything he's doing. But he's shooting 16 percentage points better than the average player on the long two right now. That's not going to last. I don't care how great he is. Steph Curry doesn't shoot 16 percentage points above 
the average player. So as that doesn't last and he starts slipping into the 45, 46, 47 percent, which is still elite in the league, then the three is a much better shot. Well, not much better, but it's a better shot. Um, there are times when I'm watching Donovan where he'll think you've got to come off that pick and roll and pull into a three rather than pulling into a mid-range jumper. He shoots that at 33%. So that's, you know, one point per zero shot. So if he's shooting the mid-range above 50% like he is right now, then for the time being, that's a better shot. And he probably has to mix the two of them. But just in general, <clears throat> the math is still... The reason teams are leaving that open is because they want you to take it and you've got to find a way to fight. Um, Donovan's been brilliant. And so he's getting through it. But I would point out that in the third, in the beginning of the fourth quarter the other night, on a night where everyone's wowing about how Donovan shot the mid range so well, he had taken 23 shots for 23 points. Right. So even on the night where he was brilliant with that long two, because he was getting caught inside the mid-range of that floater and not getting the rim, I think he went 0 for 5 inside the paint. By the time the night was done, he's still down at a not particularly efficient level. Now, late in the game, to his credit, because he's just been so great this year, he's going to the rim, he's drawing fouls, he got to the line, and he pushed that number back up. But the really big problem with pulling for a long two is you're never getting fouled. Yep, yep, you're right. So you've eliminated the most efficient shot in the game. In fact, it's just such an inefficient shot. It's really stunning. I mean, it's just 9% on it, even if is better than the league average at 45 it's still only 0.9 points per shot and the corner the rim is 1.3 the corner three is 1.2 the above the break is between about 1.1 and so over 20 shots at 0.2 difference between that and above the break three as the year goes on which is where the numbers will head that's a lot like you know for 10 shots that's two points a night for 20 shots it's four points a night four points a night over a course of a season is 10 wins what about the old axiom, take what the defense gives you? Absolutely not. And why? Because the math is because the math is so different. Now, now let me let me in, in fairness, let me give two examples of teams that kind of did a little of that last year, but they had some unique players and maybe Donovan's that unique player. The San Antonio Spurs and the uh, L.A. Clippers last year shot a high amount of mid-range shots, a low amount of threes, but shot the three at such a high percentage that, the, that they, they were able to skew the math, right? They were no longer – the Spurs were the number one three-point shooting team in the league. So DeRozan and Aldridge living in the mid-range, two of the best mid-range players in all of the league, not actually particularly efficient, but just two of the best – and they created three-point looks out of that mid-range action that were so open with good shooters that they shot, I think, close to 40% on threes last year. So they were able to skew the numbers to their benefit to be actually a half decent. But if I remember correctly, the Spurs last year effectively, even as the three-point shooting team in the league, may have only been 11th or 12th. I'd have to check that. But it wasn't great because of the amount of mid-range shots they took. It's incredibly hard. I'm kind of TK. But it's true. You still have got to find a way to get those threes or just get to the rim. I mean, one or the other. Um, but the mid-range shot, even if you're red hot, Donovan, 16 percentage points 
above the league average right now. That's incredible. He's amazing. And that is what makes make that shot being worthwhile, is to be that great. Of all, of all the things you said, the thing that I agree with the most and I would underline the most is that when he shoots those twos, even if he's practicing and even if he's red hot and in a groove, he doesn't get fouled. And, uh, you know, I think he is a guy who can go to the free throw line 10 times a game. He had a 14 free throw night earlier this year, so they need to get him to the line. I'm also curious, at the end of the game, Bogdanovich hit a huge three that really gave the Jazz the cushion they needed there in the final minutes to win that game. And he did it. We're used to seeing a pick and roll, and it's always with Rudy. And Rudy's got all the screen assists and all that. But what about putting shooters in the corners and Rudy in that dunk spot that Ronnie Brewer was in a decade ago and running a two-man game with, with Bogdanovich and Mitchell? Can that work, or will teams catch on to that and solve it pretty quickly? Or are two guys who are that dynamic offensively, if you put them two-on-two two with that much space, are they going to light another team up? So it's a great question, TJ, and you're, there's a bunch of stuff you're on to there. Um, let me just take that play in its isolation. So Bogdanovich comes out of the right corner, runs up to Donovan as the top. Donovan's being guarded by Neto. Bogdanovich is being guarded by Tobias Harris. So Bogdanovich starts in the, the down right corner. He comes up to Donovan. He doesn't really set a pick. He just brushes off the backside of Neto. It's something that Quinn, at least in my opinion, Quinn brought to the league about three years ago. And now everyone's doing it. It was a reaction to the switching defenses of the NBA. And it's really kind of what busted switching. Why so few teams switch anymore? Because as a defensive player, what do you do? He's running right off the side of your guy. He's about to set a pick. You're supposed to yell the switch before the pick so you can switch. But he actually never sets the pick. So what do you do? Tobias Harris stopped to switch. He and Neto, who had probably never played together, had no communication between each other. And so Bogdanovich flared to the top and was wide open for the three because of the fact that that was kind of just that two, you know, most teams switch one through four. And so your worst case scenario there is if they do switch it correctly, then Donovan's going on Tobias Harris, who he lacks lateral quickness and he should probably beat. So that's the premise of the play. The interesting thing that that play also does that you're talking about is Rudy's waiting down in the dunk spot, which is on the baseline, and he was on the baseline left, is the de- the defensive big now is attached to Rudy down there because they don't want to let him go. And as a game gets down to its final possessions, the higher percentage shot might have a little more value. So you do open up the middle of the floor for a mid-range shot in that case, particularly if it's the last possession of the game, and it certainly is worth more. Um, there's some argument that if there's two possessions left, it's actually worth a little bit more, um, and we were at about two or three possessions left. And also, it allows the driver to get downhill, and if the big comes forward to them, then you can get the lob to Rudy maybe easier than you can in the pick-and-roll. So that's a little bit of that. The other one is that if you bring Rudy up to Donovan, you're bringing the possibility of a trap on Donovan, and then the release on that is Rudy, and now Rudy's handling the ball at 20 feet away from the basket with the game on the line, and the clock walk, clock running down. You don't really want that. Do you have right now a chalkboard and a whistle? <laughs> I do not. That's a lie. You do, too. <laughs> I go to practice an awful lot, so I get the really great gift of getting to watch these guys practice these things and see them set up, and it's really, I gotta say, it's incredible how often you see them execute a play that they worked on time and time again. Even the three by Donovan that didn't work in 
Sacramento late in the game was a prac play they've practiced numerous times. And frankly, they got, you know, Donovan didn't get his legs underneath him and Holmes made a pretty good defensive play and Donovan probably could have gotten fouled. Uh, but that play worked as well as you probably can imagine. And it was pretty, it's pretty interesting to watch how often Quinn puts something in and then it's executed in the subtle adjustments. And, um, and then the other one on Quinn, I would just share that's incredible is how often he says something to me. And then two or three weeks later, he'll implement it. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I think I'm seeing this. And, then he starts to see it even more, and he figures out how to adjust to it. And I think you'll see some changes in how the Jazz attack um, offensively uh, as this league continues to do what it's doing right now, which is dropping the big to the rim and then uh, hugging the shooters. Interesting tonight, by the way, if I may. Uh, PK or DJ brought it up, but PK, I will just I'll just talk to you because you know you'll understand it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Milwaukee does not do what we're talking about. So Milwaukee defends the rim, will not let you get to the basket. They last year only allowed 30% of shots at the rim. This year they're below that. And they allow you to shoot the above the break three. They were last in the league last year denying the above the break three. So, you know, this one's interesting. Do you just not try to attack the rim and you just shoot 63s tonight as your way to attack them as they put Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez right in front of the rim and say you're not getting here um, because you don't want to be taking those mid-range shots? So you'll see the Jazz should be able to get into the paint, and then there'll be no room tonight, particularly with Giannis and the Lopez brothers, and then you're kicking it out to open three-point shooters, and this will be a good test of whether or not the Jazz improved shooting shows up. Um, this is an interesting trend in the league also, DJ. Teams have decided the rim is so important that they're just defending the rim. The, or the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, the L.A. Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks are all top five in the league at defending the rim, but also top five in allowing threes, I think it is. And they're also five of the best defensive teams in the league. The Clippers are not. The Clippers are about 16th. So the others are all top five defensive teams in the league right now. So, so Jerry Sloan's still right. Layups and dunks are still the most important thing. That is true. And free throws, because that's where you get them. Against the Rockets in some of those playoff series, they could have taken another three or two, but that's okay. It's a little, little water under the bridge. We got to run here, but I'm just curious about the influence of Popovich in San Antonio. It seems like I can draw a line from Popovich to a, most, if not all, of the best teams in the league. There's a line to Philadelphia. There's a line to Utah. There's a line to Milwaukee. Uh, if you follow Kawhi, that sends you to Toronto for their championship and to the Clippers now. There's also the LeBron, wherever LeBron goes. That's its own you know, center of gravity there. Um, but did the Spurs figure out a lot of stuff first? I think so. Um, and a style of play and um, a concept that Dennis Lindsay talks about a lot of the program. Quinn Snyder talks about it a lot. Um, so I think, you know, and having just kind of core beliefs of what you're doing. Kenny Atkinson's trying to do it in Brooklyn. Sean Marks is Brooklyn. That's both San Antonio. You know, the other thing I would say, they've had great success. The other thing is, you know, that's where everyone's gone and got their talent. Um, and for a long time, that was Pat Riley, right? The Van Gundys and, mm-hmm. and others coming out of the Pat Riley school was the one that Tom Thibodeau, um, and maybe the game evolved a little bit, and so the Popovich crew is on the front end. Um, Pop Lake's brains, I mean, Bud's Bud and Quinn are two of the smartest in the league. Um, little Skyak pride. Nobody's ever heard of the Skyak, but I remember the Skyak, and so is Bud, so I'm going to give him credit, um, even though he's a sage hen. Um, and so the, these are things you've just never heard on your sports radio show before, Skyak and sage hen, but I've got to give you know, 
my college conference at least a little love. Uh, so there's something to that. I mean, those are all there's a there's an intelligence level that I think that the Spurs are looking for for intellectual curiosity that has led to this success. David, thanks a lot. We'll hear you on the call tonight. Are you still confused? Mm, a little bit. I, I don't think they're going to live by the two forever, but I think they may ride it for a while. <laughs> they, I, they need free can throws. Can I be honest? It, it makes me uncomfortable when you're confused. You, you okay. are kind of my, you know, stable, solid, everyone's buddy, good friend, you know, raised two fabulous kids, great wife. Lead education for your All you're right. kind of my model, so you're being confused. This makes me uncomfortable. I need you me. as my foundation. You got in one question today. <laughs> you got in two. <laughs> you asked him if he had a PK. whistle and a clipboard. PK, no, we I go love questions. you, and if you really <laughs> miss me, you can just call. <laughs> What's your number? <laughs> Thank you, David. See you guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.